on in our series here this morning called Made Right. And uh, why do we call it Made Right? What's the reason for the series title? Why would we name that Made Right? I tell you, every Sunday, there's a special prize in heaven for the one of you that can tell me why did I title this series Made Right? Can anybody tell me that? Anybody at all? Made Right. Go ahead. Sharing is caring. I love that. That's so good. But it's not the answer I was looking for. But I love it. See, that's the beauty of participation. You know what? Let me see. There's nobody in here. Jason's not in here. He's studying this morning. I'd say, Jason, go over to the coffee shop after service. Tell him, you know, Pastor Mike said I could have a free coffee or anything you want today other than a lot of coffee, you know, bags, but any drink, anything that food items, just tell them, Hey, pastor Mike said, and one of those guys, they'll catch it and they'll, they'll let them know. But, um, no, the reason we titled this uh, again, made right is, can you make yourself right with God or does God make you right with him? Yeah. That's the whole point of it. The book of Romans, what blew Martin Luther away, what blew the apostle Paul away was that you know, you can't make yourself right with God. You can try, you can try. That's what we're studying you know, this week and we have in previous weeks in chapters uh, 9 through 11 as we're dealing with the nation of Israel specifically. As Man, if anybody could make themselves right with God, it was the nation of Israel. I mean, they kept to the law as, as better than anybody, you know, has or has since then. And so you can't. For by grace we've been saved. And we'll get into that, you know, as we get into the, the study here. But it's, it's God who makes us right. And uh, again, it's what we've been sharing the last couple of weeks in chapter 10 specifically. We're going to read verses 9 through 17. You know, obviously the, uh, the point of this is, you know, that uh, again, um, you know, some might call this portion of scripture, the progression of faith. You know, I, I've shared with you, you know, the last, last week was that there's really, there's seven, seven steps, you might say. They're not numbered because they go back and forth. But just from careful study of Romans chapter 10, you see the, the natural progression of faith that as we, we started two weeks ago with caring, right? That, that the gospel will mean nothing to anybody. You know, that old expression of people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And there was no question in the Apostle Paul's life of how much he loved people and he cared for them. I mean, when you're saying, hey, I'm willing to give up my salvation, I'm willing to go to hell so that you could be saved, that, that mean, that's, that's a little bit of caring. I, I think we'd all agree. And that was the Apostle Paul. He said, I would, I would consider myself, I would become an anathema that my countrymen might be saved. That, that's a heart for people. And that's so clear in the Apostle Paul's life. It burdened him. And that burden came from Jesus himself. When Jesus looked out, you know, we see in Scripture, and he looked out over the people, specifically the Jews. He said, he said you know, that he had compassion upon them. He saw them as sheep without a shepherd. And, you know, and as he wept over, over the nation of Israel, he said, Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, you know, I've longed to gather you. And the, the imagery that he provided, you know, like a mother hen would gather her chicks. He said, But you wouldn't listen. Yeah, that, that's love, that's compassion, that's caring. And, and when we truly care about something, you know, my wife had a, a pop-up event yesterday, her and Sylvia, and um, where they, they make crafts and stuff and they take them and sell them. It was a cancer uh, awareness um, event. And I was thinking about that because um, it wasn't really well attended and there's probably a lot of reasons for that. But the people that were there were obviously touched by cancer. 
and, and it did something. It did what the gospel should do in our life. See, we're all aware of cancer. Matter of fact, you know, something that I can share with you today, you know, we were praying for Danielle last week. Uh, I told you the, the little 30-year-old you know, girl who had a kidney transplant in 2009. And then obviously when you have a transplant, they have to give you uh, medication that suppresses your immune system so your body doesn't reject the organ. And uh, she developed a, a type of cancer that's really common in 2020 with, uh, with uh, any kind of organ transplant. And she succumbed to that uh, this week. Uh, she passed away um, this weekend. And... You know, again, it's just one of those those tough things. The good thing is, is she's in the very presence of God today. You know, she's at home. But for her mom, for Brenda, um, when it's your only child, you know, um, you've lost a husband and then you lose a, your child. You go, that's those are those are hard hard things uh, to go through in this life. And so, you know, we'll pray for her um, even as we we get into this today. But I shared with you, you know, that that caring then leads to praying, and that's what it did in the Apostle Paul's life. He cared. And he didn't just do something about it because, I mean, we all by admission, we probably have all cared about something and jumped out and did something before we actually talked to God about it. And it probably didn't go the way that we probably hoped it would. And we learned a lot of lessons the same way the nation of Israel learned, you know, as they went into the promised land. You know, they prayed to God one time, right, and said, God, you know, what do you want us to do? And God gave them a battle plan and they went out and did it. So the next time they said, hey, we don't need to pray. We already did that. And God did it last time. And then they didn't pray. And then what happened? Uh, they went down in defeat and God taught them very quickly, you know, that you can't prop God up. You can't just push the Ark of the Covenant out there and go, hey, you know, God's on our side. Because it's really not about God being on our side. The, really, the issue is, are we on God's side? And so as we understand that, you know, Paul, he's moved to praying. I mean, he wanted to be the apostle to the, to the Jews, right? It only made sense, you know, born the tribe of Benjamin. I mean, a Pharisee. I mean, he had all the credentials, right? And, and then God said, no, you're going to be the, the, you know, the apostle to the Gentiles. And it was like, wow. But it never changed Paul's heart. Paul loved the Jews. And he prayed for them. And he prayed for them all the time. And so we see the progression of faith. You know, starts with caring. Then it moves to praying. And then ultimately, it's doing something about it. Just like I shared, you know, people that have been impacted by cancer. They didn't just care. And they didn't just pray. All of a sudden, they're going, you know what, I, I'm willing to do something about it. I'm willing to get involved. And so they show up at events, and they go, and they help, you know, with, with the next step. It's not just going, and then all of a sudden, what are they doing? They're, they're sharing. Uh, they're, they're wanting people to be aware. You know, my sister, my oldest sister, Beth, she has friends that, that have uh, gone through bouts with cancer. Some have lived. Some have died. She does some things in memory of, of her friends that have passed away. And every year she'll, she'll join, you know, some campaign, some walk, and she'll raise money for, for cancer. And she'll do it in the memory of her friend because that caring leads to sharing. It leads to doing something about it. And so that's, that's our responsibility, and that's what we've been learning about. You know, the, the first, you know, steps of progression of, of our faith, you know, it starts with caring. It leads to praying. It leads to going. It leads to sharing. But then, as we're going to talk about today, then there becomes the responsibility on the part of the person who, who we are sharing with. Because like I said, can you make yourself right with God? No. Can you make other people right with God? No. You know, you try it even as parents. If you're a parent in here, you go, you know, I mean, so many spankings. I mean, you know, I mean, you can get, if those would have worked, man, I'd be an angel by now. You know, they, they, they don't. They, you want the best, but at some point, and that's what scripture says. It's like children are like arrows in the hand of an archer, right? 
What do you have to do with an arrow eventually? You got to let it go. You aim it at the target, right? And you hope it'll get there, but there's a lot of factors, right? There's wind calculations, there's humidity, there's temperature, there's all these things, and you know, range, environment that have an impact. But you do the best that you can do. But there is a responsibility. There's personal responsibility. And that's what we've been studying because that's one of the, the difficulties within Christendom is when you start talking about the sovereignty of God and the predestinated predestination, the plan of God, of the election of God. And then all of a sudden you go, but God in his sovereignty has said, you have to make a choice. And people struggle with that. Like I said, and I always love what Charles Spurgeon said. He goes, you know, I people said, well, you know, do you believe in the sovereignty of God? Do you believe in the election of God? Yes. Do you believe in the free will of man? Yes. He's like, how can you? They, they, they don't reconcile. And he said, you don't have to reconcile friends. They're there. They're in scripture. Am I going to understand it completely? No. Are you? No. Does God? Absolutely. You know, and so what do we do? We trust him. His ways are what? They're high above our ways. And his ways are beyond finding out. I always like what Greg Laurie said. You know, God that's, that's so small that you could understand him wouldn't be big enough for you to worship. And it's so true. That God is beyond us. And that's, why we, that's where faith comes in. That's why we trust. And so, you know, like I said, caring, praying, going, sharing. That's what believers do with the gospel. And then today, as we look at the last three, uh, hearing, believing, and calling. Those are the things that unbelievers do with the gospel in order to be saved. So let's, uh, let's read uh, verses 9 through 17 in Romans chapter 10, and then we'll pray here. And it says, if you openly declare, and I'm reading from the NLT translation, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him uh, to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet has said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing and hearing the good news about Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the privilege that we have to open it and read it. And Lord, one of the dangers, and there is a danger in this, is that God, we never want to be people who just are hearers of your word. That it, in a sense, just goes in one ear and out the other. And we just say, well, I was there today. I attended church today. But Lord, what you desire of us is that we would be obedient to what you would tell us. And so when we say amen, uh, Lord, what we're saying is so be it. We're, we're listening to what you declare. And Lord, we're saying so be it. And so be it in our lives. And that's why we pray, not my will, but thine be done. But yours, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, Lord, as we study your word today, uh, Lord, help us not just to, to hear it, but to look for the application, the personal application in our own lives. And Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for saving us, Lord Jesus, because, Lord, we recognize we couldn't do it ourselves. We couldn't do it without you. We need you so much. And so we bless you as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Did I, did I lose uh, Jack? Where's Jack? Oh, he had to go somewhere? Oh, I was going to bring Jack up right before. That's all right. I'll bring him up at the very end. Tell him, tell him if he can come back right at the very end. That'll work. So, again, you know, I think what we understand in this as the gospel now goes forth. Last week, like I said, we talked about our responsibility. Uh, and now we look at this week about the person that you're sharing with. And it's important to know it because as you're sharing the faith, you want to know, you know, how should people respond? I mean, what should... What is the end game in all this, you know, as we share our faith, you know, with other people? And, and it's interesting when you think about this, and there, it's an important understanding of this word, is that hearing the good news, you know, of Jesus, it's essential. And let me make sure you're clear on this. It's essential to experiencing saving faith. And what I, I want you to be clear on, and you, if you're a note taker, you might write that down or lock it in your memory. It's called saving faith because there's all different kinds of faith, but there's only one saving faith. And that's so, so important for us to understand and to know. Like I said, uh, again, it's not just any faith. You know, like people can say, well, you know, I have my beliefs. And as I've shared with you, you know, there's over 4,000 religions, world religions today. And it grows every single day because somebody makes up a new one. And you can't just say, well, I know I'm okay with God because God doesn't really care what you believe. And you hear this from people and they'll say, all that matters is that you're sincere. And like I said, none of us would ever hire a doctor who wasn't good. He just said, you know, I just want you to know, I mean, I've looked around. I am the most sincere doctor in town. I'm like, I don't care how sincere you are. I want to know, are you good? Are you really good at what you do? And, and yet, but we make that with the most important decision that we'll ever make in our life. Most important decision is what I do with Jesus Christ. And so it isn't about sincerity. I mean, it's, it's, that's important. And we want people to be sincere, but it's based on truth. Again, the truth, Jesus said, you'll know, and the truth will set you free. And, and I love, as we've been studying this, and I hope that, you're, like I said, you're retaining this, because, again, what is saving faith? And it's, it's understanding you know, that it's Jesus Christ who came from heaven, who lived a perfect, sinless life, and was the sacrifice upon Calvary's cross that paid the penalty for my sin and your sin. And believing that not only did he die, but as scripture says, but that, you know, he was buried. And on the third day, he rose just as he said that he would do. And that one day he's coming back to take us home to be with him. He's preparing a place for us even now. And one day, I mean, he's going to right every wrong. He's going to make everything that was broken, everything that died. You know, again, we love that, you know, to be reminded of that in scripture. You know, I sent that to, to Brenda after Danielle passed, I said, you know, I know this is a tough thing, but I don't understand all that you're going through. But I know that God does because he lost his one and only two. And, and Paul said to comfort one another with these words. And I want to comfort the, you today with these same words is that the dead in Christ will arise. And those of us remain who will be caught up to be with the Lord and be with him forever. So the good news is you're going to see her again one day. Does that help today? Probably not. Probably not. But in the days ahead, as the Holy Spirit just ministers to you, will it? Yeah. And so rest in him. Just allow him to hold you and bring you comfort today. And uh, so I was able to, you know, communicate with her and, and, you know, that she received it and she appreciated it. Because that's what we have to do is remind people of God's faithfulness, his goodness. We live in a world that's all messed up. And people say, oh, it's going to hell in a handbasket. And you go, it's going faster than that. And you go, but he said, you know. He's going to make all things new. 
You know, wipe away every tear from our eye. No more death, no more dying, no more disease, you know, no more suffering. All the things that, that we hate about this life, all those things will be vanquished in a moment when Jesus returns to this earth. And so, you know, that's, that's the message of the gospel. And, and to believe means, and I shared this with you, and it's the Jewish concept, and we'll get into it a little bit more. But it's, it's in the Hebrew language, the word believe doesn't mean what you and I usually, you know, state when we think of the word believe, when we think of believe, we go, yeah, I believe that. I don't have any facts on it or anything, but I, I believe that. But we're not, we're not trusting in it. Remember, the word believe means to trust in. It means to act upon. And it means to rely upon. And in the Jewish concept of, of belief, it's even deeper than that. And, and it's a wonderful picture I shared with you last week. Is, is that concept of, it says that you would rest your weight upon it. Have you ever stood on something that you didn't know if you could trust its weight or not? It could hold your weight? You know, and, and what do you do when you're standing on something that you're not really sure if this thing's going to hold your weight? Have, have any of you ever stood on something that couldn't hold your weight and you tried it and you paid the price because you did it? I remember my dad in high school getting on a ladder out in the back of our house. He was going to play golf in the morning and something was wrong with our, our refrigeration. I don't know why my dad would have done it. He didn't know anything about refrigeration, but he got up there to look at it, I guess. And uh, it was still dark. And all of a sudden I heard this clank and then it was the sound of aluminum. And it hit the ground and I heard this, Ugh! and you know, I was in high school, so I wasn't gonna get up, you know, cause I was tired. And, uh, but all of a sudden I heard this, I heard this, Mikey, Mikey. So, I mean, it scared me, but I want you to think about that. Think about what did my dad say? You know, and this goes to the end of what I'm sharing with you today, but I want to just jump ahead. He yelled a name. He yelled, Mikey. And lock this in for a second. Those who call upon the name of the Lord, what? Shall be saved. You don't have to see people go, oh, I, don't, I don't know. This is where theologians can just drive you crazy. Well, I don't know if they're saved or not. It's like the thief on the cross. I, he, didn't, uh, he didn't mention anything about repenting. Uh, he surely wasn't water baptized. I mean, how do we know that the thief on the cross was really saved? And you go, kind of because Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise, right? But we question the theology. Well, I don't really know about that. God knows. That's the most important thing. So the key here is you go, I don't worry about, you know, it's like, it's like having an experience with the Holy Spirit. People would say, I would rather have the right experience with the wrong name to have the wrong experience by the right name, right? Calling something what it is. But to call upon the name of the Lord, God will work all that out. The key is, have you called upon the name of the Lord to be saved? Well, in that sense, here's my dad laying in the backyard. He's Mikey. So I go flying out there and my dad is laying tangled up in a broken aluminum ladder that he weighed more than what the ladder said could be on the ladder. But he tried it. It didn't work. And I remember he left. He, he, my dad was a coach. So he came, came in the house. His hand was all cut up where he had gone through the ladder and he had abrasions on his hand. His hand was already starting to swell. So he, what's he do? He goes to the cupboard. Any good coach will do back then. White athletic tape, if you remember that. We had rolls of it in our house. My dad goes like this. It's like Rocky. He wraps his hand up and he's got his golf club. He's like, yeah, I guess I'll do it. So he goes, he leaves the golf course about 730. Um, 
I'm up, I'm up now because he got me up and I'm startled, you know, with all this. And so I'm just watching cartoons or something. And he comes walking in and he's like all dejected. And I said, Dad, what's up? And he goes, oh, I couldn't swing the club. <laughs> it's like, I, broke, I think I broke my hand. <laughs> and his hand was, just, I mean, it was like coming through the tape. <laughs> he's in there cutting it off, you know. And you go, why? And you go, because he tried to rest his weight upon something that couldn't hold him. You can rest your weight upon Jesus, amen? And that's what scripture is telling us. Those that are saved are truly resting their weight. What that means is you're not, you weren't like my dad on that ladder going, I oh, pray to God that it holds me. I pray that it holds me. And it's just going, Eek. you know, there's nothing too difficult for God, right? We, we say it all the time. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He, he can hold the weight. And, and what it means to be truly saved is to put all your weight on him. And it's a great ad admonishment for us. Are we truly putting all of our weight on him? Some people, you know, they call it fire insurance, right? They go, eh, you know, I kind of believe that, but, uh, you know, but it's no scripture says what? One Lord, one faith, one baptism, right? There's only one name scripture says that under heaven by which men must be saved, right? It's not polytheism. I remember if you were here very long in our church, we had a missionary to India. His name was Abraham. And I remember the first time I met Abraham, and I always have to explain to people when I would share that. I go, no, not Father Abraham. I met Abraham Matataklia. Matataklia. And uh, he, he goes, first time I, I meet him, he goes, hey, uh, Mike, you need to come to India. Because if you come to India, you'll have an opportunity. He goes, like, you've never had before. And I'm like, well, what will I do? And he goes, you can lead thousands and thousands and thousands of people to Jesus. And I, I mean, I was like, are you kidding me? He goes, yeah, have you ever seen like a big Billy Graham crusade, you know? And I go, yeah. And he goes, you know, there's just a sea of people there. And he goes, well, it'll be like that in India. And he goes, and I go, well, yeah, I'd come. And he started laughing. And he goes, well, I need to explain something though. And I go, what's that? And he goes, well, in India, he goes, Indians believe they're polytheistic, meaning that they believe in multiple gods, right? He goes, so when you share the gospel of Jesus Christ, he goes, if we have a million people at the event, guess what? A million people are going to get saved. He goes, because they love Jesus. And I go, well, isn't that awesome? And he goes, yeah, but they love every religion. They just look at it like it's collecting bobbleheads at a Dodger game. You just, you get it and you put it up on your shelf with your other one. And they go, hey, we believe that. We all, and, and he goes, and they're excited. And we believe that too. And you go, but you can't believe it. Oh, no, no, we believe that. You know, and I'm going, I go, man, he goes, no, Mike, it's really hard sharing the gospel in India because everybody just believes everything. So saving faith is what we're talking about. A faith that does what? That places all of its weight. Not, not one foot in Islam, one foot in Hindu, and one arm, you know, in, in Mormonism, you know, all these religions that are impacting India today, and then one in Christianity. No, it's, it's all or nothing. It's, it's, not, it's not partially in. That's why Jesus would say, and I keep reminding you, he goes, if you desire to come after me, it's your desire, your will, and your own heart. He said, you must what? Deny yourself. He didn't say partially, like give up this or this. He goes, that you deny yourself and you pick up your cross and you follow me. It's all in. That, that's the implication. of it. What does that mean? It just means all in. Are you all in with Jesus? 
And I think when we make an honest, you know, really evaluation of our life, sometimes we go, maybe not so much, you know. I, I believe, but Lord, help my unbelief. Because it isn't just somebody going, oh, I prayed the prayer, right? It's that prayer, that prayer will do something, you know, in each of our lives. So hearing, look at that in verse 14. You know, three things. You know, we just look at pretty simply here this morning. Verse 14, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? That's important, important to know. And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? So in order for a person to be saved, you know, we agree, they've got to hear the gospel. But what does hearing mean? Again, you know, the unbelievers, like I said, their response to our caring and praying and going is to hear the gospel. So saving faith requires hearing, hearing with the intent, and this is important, hearing with the intent of doing something about it. Saving faith requires listening, processing, and acting upon the truth that is shared. You know, do people hear differently? Yeah, absolutely. You know, do you remember that, that joke about the Catholic priest? He was like in his late years and he was, you know, knew he was coming to the, to the end of his life. And so he always had a dream of transcribing the, the original scriptures. And so he contacted the Vatican and he said, you know, before I, before I die, he goes, I'd like to come to Rome and, and, uh, and, you know, go down into the catacombs and to the, the library there and, and, and pull up the original manuscript and actually transcribe some of my favorite passages just for myself. He goes, just, and so he was such a good, you know, Catholic priest that the Vatican said, sure, come do it. So he goes there and they, they, the Vatican officials meet him and they take him down these steps and they take him to this library there. And there's this, some of the original manuscripts that are laid open for him. And he begins to transcribe and they said, we'll just leave you. And they thought, you know, he'd be there for, you know, an hour or so. Hours went by, hours, hours, whole night he was there. Next day, and it was just going to be a few passages of scripture. So one of the cardinals, he said, somebody better go down and check on him. So the next day they go down there, and as they just start to go down the steps, they just hear this, this weeping, this gut-wrenching weeping coming from the library there. And so they open up the door, and they see him. He's just sprawled out you know, over, the, over the manuscripts there, and they said, you know, Father, what's, what's, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I'm talking about, can you hear something and hear something differently? You go, yes, this is, don't, don't lose the punchline for this. And so they said, Father, what's wrong? And he said, all these years, all these years as a Catholic priest, he goes, and now I transcribe the word and I see that it says celebrate, not celibate. <laughs> I mean, you think about that. <laughs> it's okay to laugh out loud. I mean, and I always crack up at that because you go, wow, just miss it by a letter. And it can really mess your life up, right? I mean, you could be messed up for a long time. And that's not to, to mock the Catholic Church. It's, it's in humor. We tell all kinds of jokes. We tell jokes about ourselves. It just fits the context of what I'm talking about. How important it is to hear accurately, right? That's why scripture says, study to show yourself what? Approved unto God. A workman who needs not be ashamed to what? Rightly 
divides the word of truth because there's all kinds of teaching out there. Matter of fact, we can have conversations. Some of us have our own theology here, you know, even at Calvary Chapel. Well, and people say, well, this is what I believe. But really, that can be a dangerous thing because you go, why do you believe that? And you go, well, because if I really believe the truth, <laughs> there's a higher price. <laughs> it costs more, you know, so I've, I've, I've made it where, you know, I'm comfortable with it. Really not, not a good way to approach it. It's like I said, church is not about me. It's not about you. It's about God. It's about worshiping him for who he is and appreciating him for what he has done. There's the difference. We're not trying to find, you know, a method to, you know, religion is man's attempt to reach God. We're enjoying Christianity where it's God loving us so much that he gave his own son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, would have everlasting life. It's the totally opposite, you know, approach to it. And so important, you know, that we, that we get that. You know, in Matthew chapter 13, you don't need to turn there, but you might write it down. We have the parable of the sower. And like I said, we can understand that, you know, people process things differently. And, and there's a spiritual dimension to this that we need to be mindful of here when we think about people hearing the gospel. It's not necessarily as easy as what we think. We go, well, I told them. Yeah, and, and this kind of maybe will put some, shed some light on it. Uh, people acting upon what they've heard. And it's called the parable of the sower, but actually it should be maybe called the parable of the soil because it really talks about the type of heart, you know, that the word of God is being planted into. It says this in Matthew 13, uh, picking it up in verse 18. This is Jesus explaining the parable of the sower. He says, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the, the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. The footpath, because what? It's been worn down, right? It's like concrete. It's like cement. It says, then the evil one comes and he snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. So it's talking about the devil himself. The, 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 the seed can't even get planted because of the hardness of their heart. Then he says, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last very long. They fall away as soon as they have a problem or persecuted for be believing God's word. You ever met somebody like that? That man, they got saved and they were just so excited. They wanted the whole world to know, you know, and then as soon as they, they suffered persecution or as soon as things didn't go their way, they were on to the next thing. That, that's what Jesus is saying. Because why? Because there, there was no depth in their heart. They, they could receive it, but it, it wouldn't take root. And we know all kinds of people like that that have just walked with Jesus for a short time. And, and they've been, and we'll go, oh, but they're, they're saved. It's not what he's saying here. Again. And then it says, the seed that fell amongst the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but are too quickly. The message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. And so it's talking about what the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. People walk with God for a season of time. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, uh, I still like the things of the world better. And those, those attractions lure them away. And he said, but then there's a heart that's open. There's a heart that the, the soil is fertile. It says in verse 23, the seed that fell on the good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even a hundred times as much as had been planted. And so the seed represents the word of God. The sower, like I said, is the person sharing God's word. And like a faithful farmer, you know, goes about planting the crops, they scatter seed. Now, I want you to, to get this in this. The word sowing, okay? 
The word sowing here, it's where we get our English word broadcasting. And what do we mean by broadcasting? You know, that before, you know, a person can be saved, they first must hear, again, the truth of God's word. And, and how does that go forth? The hearing of God's word. See, that hearing of God's word is what activates saving faith. It's important because I was just sharing last Sunday, you know, someone approached me and they said, I'm not, I don't really try to use scripture. I just try to use my story. And I'm going, man, you could never win anybody to Christ by just sharing your story. Because faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing comes by what? The word of God. I mean, if it was just that, then, you know, Jesus never had to come and die. He could have just sent us a book from heaven. But to tell his story, that's what saves us. You know, it was St. Francis who, who said, preach the gospel at, at all times, and if necessary, use words. And unfortunately, people buy into that. You know, yes, what, what did he possibly mean by that was, you know, that actions speak louder than words. But it gets turned around where people go, see, I don't worry about sharing the truth of God's word. I just love them. And you go, well, you don't have to be a Christian to love people. You know, all faiths, true faiths have some dimension, you know, of love within it. But it's why do we love them? You know, the beauty of God's love is agape. It's, it's loving without expecting anything in return. It's a choosing love, not a love of, well, if you... You know, join our religion, we'll care for you. But if not, we're not. No, scripture says of, of Christianity, you know, we love our enemies and do good to the, what? Those who persecute us and mistreat us. And scripture says who spitefully use us. And you go, because we did that to God. People follow Jesus all around. He said, you follow me because I feed you. I know why you're following me. And then he, <laughs> he turned the table on, right? He goes, but unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you've got nothing to do with me. And says, see ya. And they all... <laughs> says many, sadly, many who walked with him turned and walked with him no more. Because there's a price. There was something to that. But unfortunately, like I said, people can hear that and they think that, oh, you know, I don't, I don't need to share the gospel with them. I don't need to share the word of God with them. And they're, they're saved, you know, because they said they believe. And you go, what do they believe in? What, what, do, what do they truly believe in? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. Verse 14 goes on, like I said, it says, and how can they believe in him unless they've never heard about him? Remember in Acts chapter 15, when Peter comes back to the Jerusalem council, because now Gentiles are getting saved and they're starting to, they're scratching their head because they're going, uh, you know, do they got to get circumcised? Do they got to come under the law? Do they got to practice all? And Peter's going, no, that's not how they got saved. They don't need, they don't need all those things. That was things that God was using to reach the Jews. Peter tells him, he says, and he says, you know, Peter stood up and he says, and he addressed them. I'm reading from the NIT here. He says, and he says, address them as follows. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so they could hear the good news and believe. They could hear the good news and in turn do what? And believe that hearing precedes is active faith. So again, before they could respond to the gospel, they had to hear the gospel. So if you're not sharing the gospel with people, how are people going to get saved? They can't. Again, the emphasis I shared with you last week, you know, on preaching. And I love this. Preaching, so people so preaching, oh, you know, God hasn't gifted me. I'm not an evangelist, you know. Evangel just means herald, just means good news. But you go, but I'm not a preacher. And you go, but understand, the word preach in Romans chapter 10, the emphasis, like I shared with you, isn't on the person who's doing the sharing. 
the emphasis of preach is on the message being communicated. And so it's, the point is, we're all preachers. That's, that's what Paul is saying. That's what Jesus was saying. He didn't say, only to the preachers go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. He said, who? If you're my disciple, are you a follower of Jesus? Then wherever you go, and you go, oh, I don't know, God's called me to go anywhere. Don't take it out of context. He's just saying, wherever you go. If you're in, I mean, none of us, we're not living in Jerusalem today, right? We don't go, ah, I got to go back to Jerusalem and start there. And then I'll go to, where's the next place? Samaria. I don't even know where Samaria is at, but we'll go there. And then, oh no, it's Judea. We'll go, what is it? Uh, Jerusalem, Judea. So then, then Samaria and then uttermost, I guess, is Bakersfield in the uttermost parts of the world? Do we work our way back to, to Jerusalem? People know they, they ask questions like this. I go, no, what he's saying is Bakersfield is your Jerusalem. Start where you're at. Or if you're fortunate, you know, like my friend Rob, and you live in Cayucas, Cayucas could be, could be Jerusalem. That'd be hard to go to Judea from there, though, wouldn't it? It's like, <laughs> I like it. See, it's not hard to leave Bakersfield. I mean, I want to go to Judea, you know, and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. It makes that. But to go, no, but he's going, what he's saying is don't overcomplicate it. Wherever you're at, wherever you're at is where God's called you to preach. And that doesn't mean to everybody. It doesn't mean you take a, you know, a soapbox with you and you get up on it and you start yelling at everybody. It's like, no, wherever you're at, there's going to be people God's going to place in your path. And it's just to, to love them and to care for them, to share with them. It's the most exciting thing about being a believer, to be used of God. To think about this, that you and I could be used of God to help people by watering and planting God gives the increase. I can't save him, right? Made right. That's what the whole series is about. It's what God does, right? And he does that. But to be part of that, you, you can devote your life to all kinds of things. And I can tell you, because I have, and I've wasted much of my life on things that the Psalm would say, it's vanity. It's all grasping at the wind. Stuff doesn't satisfy you. Know, but, but people, to think that, you know, somebody who was going to hell, that you, God used you to share the love of Christ with them and then to see the impact because they didn't just believe it in their head. They just made this prayer and they went and then live like hell the rest of their life. No, but where you saw that you shared the gospel and there was what? There was a transformation. Think of John, that you went from being a son of thunder, a hell's angel, to being the disciple whom Jesus loved and arresting his head upon his chest. You go, wow, that's called transformation. That's what it's about. And to be able to go, wow, God, thank you that I got to be part of that. I got to witness that. And that you're going to spend eternity with Jesus together. Because like I said, you can have everything. What does it profit? Jesus said, what does it profit a man to, to gain the whole world? You can have all the world's possessions, but you can't take any of them with you. So you go devote your life to the things that last. That's what he's saying. That's what Paul did with his life just to be like that faithful farmer. So you picture that faithful farmer. What does it mean to take the, the word of God? What does it mean to sow? It means to broadcast, right? So how did the faithful farmer broadcast? In, in the time of Jesus' day, they would, take, they would take seed in their hand. They loved the wind. Why? Because the wind did all the work. See, we have farm equipment now that does what? It scatters it, right? Even you get one of those little things in your backyard to seed your lawn. It doesn't just fall out in the one spot, right? It's got the thing in there and it goes like this. And it's doing what? It's broadcasting it. It's a, it's a spreader. 
It's spreading it out there. So what you're doing when you live your life, you're in the word of God every day. You're praying, you're seeking God, you're talking to God, and you're, you're going, God, what do you want to do today in my life? I know I got a list of things, but your list is way better than my list because my list just leaves me frustrated, mad at people, people owing me or me owing them. So you go, ah, what a way to live life. And you go, or just go, man, God's going, just go around, just drop some seed here, drop some seed there. You don't know. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen with it. You come back. What does the faithful farmer do? He casts seed. He goes to bed. So scripture says he goes and he, he does what? He goes to bed. Why? He doesn't sit up, sitting up all night. Is it going to make the crop grow faster? Watching it? No. Faith, trusting God. Just broadcast it. All of us, just broadcast it. And hey, do sometimes do our paths cross? Yeah. And guess what? Sometimes the grass is greener there. Or if those represent people's lives, that's watering and planting. That You know, if you think the, the rock and the chisel, right? And you, you hammer that thing. And on the 700th you know, hit, that rock breaks. And you go, was it the 700th hit? Or was it all the hits combined that finally led to its breaking? I would think we'd all agree it's the, all 700 of those striking the blow. Well, that's how the gospel works. It's not that you shared it. Like, well, it didn't work. It's working. His word, he says, never returns void to him. Trusting that. Just scatter it. Just scatter it. Mark 4, 26 and 27, Jesus shares how the gospel grows. He says, Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground night and day while he's asleep or awake. The seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. It's just like the gospel. I don't know how they get saved. God saves them. I just know that what do we do? Scatter seed broadcast it. That's what you've been called to do. Broadcast the seed. So the believers, they have a responsibility to hear. Again, to do what? We think about hearing. It's just ensure that wherever we go, the gospel goes with us. And we trust God for the results. See, a lot of times people go, I don't, I don't want to be rejected. You know, I'll share the gospel. And you go, it, it's not anything to worry about because it's not your responsibility to save people. It's God's. We just need to be faithful farmers, right? Is put people in the position to hear the gospel. Second Timothy 4, 1 through 4, Paul writes this to Timothy. He says, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when, it comes, when he comes to set up his kingdom. What did he say? He says, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and they will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and they'll chase after myths. And you see that's happening. It's always happened to a certain degree, but it's happening a lot more today in this world. So again, our responsibility as believers to hearing making sure we're giving people the right directions. It reminds me of that, that salesman. He's out in the country and he's lost and he's driving around on all these, these farm roads and he comes up on a, a farmer on a tractor. And he says, hey, farmer, he says, can you help me? I, I need some directions. And he says, well, where do you want to go? And he tells him the, the town. And he says, well, if you keep going the direction you're going in, he goes, it's uh, 24,000 miles, 901. Wow, and that's the distance around the earth. And uh, he says, but if you turn around, it's three miles back the other way. And, and there, man, I think about that and you go, 
again, just giving people the right directions. The gospel is not difficult. We make it difficult. It's what? That God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, whoever would believe in him would what? You know it. Would not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, that can't be. Well, that's, that's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said. Taking him at his word. So what does it mean then to believe? So hearing leads to believing. There again in verse 14. But how can they call on him uh, to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him when they've never heard about him? So again, saving faith. What? It requires hearing the truth and believing the truth. Again, James 2.19 says, You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. I mean, the demons... Demons in hell, they believe in Jesus. They know that he's real, but they don't worship him for who he is. They don't worship him as God. And like I said, you don't have to be a Christian to have faith. Like I said, there's over 4,000 you know, world faiths today. But what is Christianity? Believing that Jesus is the son of God. He came from heaven to earth. And think about that. You know, just, uh, again, trusting. Trusting God. Believing him. Resting upon him. Resting your entire weight upon him. And again, understanding this, you know, that saving faith isn't an end in itself. Saving faith always leads somewhere. Because people go, I, I believe, and, and it does nothing. You go, but if you truly believe, it's directional. It's not, we're not saved by works. Again, we can't save ourselves. But as we read in scripture, read this with me, you know, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, but I'm going to stop at nine because we usually read this. We'll say, for God saved you by his grace when you believe, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God, right? And we get that. And we say, salvation is not a reward for the good things that we've done. So none of us can boast about it, but it goes right on and says, for by grace, you've been saved through faith, right? And not of works, which any man can boast. It is the gift of God. But then he turns right around. What does he say in the very next verse? He says, for we are God's masterpiece, or in some of your translations, says we are his what? Workmanship. Created for what? For good works. Those will naturally follow. You are not saved by your good works, but you are saved unto good works. They naturally flow out of. It's like the second commandment. He said, you know, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And he said, the second commandment is to do what? Love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, the second commandment does what? It naturally flows out of the first commandment. If you're truly loving God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, will you love your neighbor? Yes. You don't have to go, oh, I got to try to love my neighbor. You go, you'll naturally do it because it flows out of that. And he says, what's flowing out of, uh, of true belief is going to be action. Again, now, did the thief on the cross, did he have time? And you go, no. So he was saved by what? Faith alone. Faith in what Jesus Christ did for him. But I bet you if he had an opportunity, you know, to get down from that cross that day, life would have been different. He would have went from that place with a joy in his heart going, my sins have been forgiven. And guess what? I want everybody that, you know, that, that I know to come to know this same truth as I know. Not to hoard it for himself, but like I said, to give it away. James, like I said, 2, 19 and 20, it says, you say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. 
Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? So there's a connection. That's what we see. We see the same thing in Romans chapter 10. There's a connection between hearing and believing. Look there in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And look what it says in verse 10. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you, you are saved. So believing leads to declaring. Again, like I said, the, for the Hebrews, they believed, and to believe with your heart, that was the core of your being. That's where, you, that's where the true you, the real you resonates, where it lies. To believe with your heart meant you really, really, really believe. You know, we often say, you know, I, I believe in my heart and, and we mean it more as a feeling, but that's not what the, that's not for the Jew, for the Hebrew, what it meant. And it's so important, like I said, that, that we understand that, that we get that. And if we do, you go, man, what's going to happen? You know, you think of our calling that leads to the very thing we close with this calling. Romans ten thirteen says for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, what? What does it tell us? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, all throughout the Bible, when you read the words, and they called upon the name of the Lord, wherever you see true faith, like I said, saving faith being exercised in the Bible, you have a person calling on the name of the Lord. Paul, he's quoting from Joel uh, chapter 2, verse 32 in the Old Testament there. But the practice, and hear me on this, the practice of calling on the name of the Lord it goes all the way back to the book of Genesis, the third generation. In Genesis 4.26, it says, When Seth grew up, he had a son, and he named him Enosh. At that time, people first began, in some of your translations, it'll say worship, and others, it'll say to call upon the name of the Lord. So why did men in that third generation begin to call on Jehovah's name at that time? So you have to look at the name of Enosh there gives us a clue. Enosh means frail, means mortal man. And because of mankind's falling away from God there in the Garden of Eden, man became what? Frail. He became mortal. And so by the time of Enosh, like I said, human beings, they realized they were vulnerable, they were fragile, and their time on this earth was limited. They recognized that human life was transient, that it was empty, and it was meaningless without God. I mean, they were keenly aware of their mortality. And so what did they begin to do? They began to call on the name of Jehovah. What does Jehovah mean? I am that I am. It meant that, you know, Jehovah was ever existing, that he alone was the eternal one. So what you have is frail, mortal human beings calling on the name of the Lord because they knew they needed an eternal God. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. People still recognize that today. Recognizing their sinfulness, their vulnerability, that God is ever existent, that he's eternal, capable, able, desiring to forgive us of our sin. That's the good news of the gospel. And for us, you know, to have that, you know, like I said, I, I can't think of anything more cruel as a human being for me, you know, that if I know that truth and I come in contact with people that need it to withhold it from them. You know, scripture says, you know, that you know, for a person to have the ability to do good for another person and not do it, it says for that person, it's sin. And we need to, we need to, 
to be moved by that. Because again, we, the world's becoming darker. Like I said, the beauty of diamonds is you put diamonds against black velvet, man, those diamonds stand out. Oh man, right now, you and I should be standing out in this world more than ever before in our lives because it's getting darker. But man, let's don't curse the darkness. Let's, let's impact the darkness. And it begins by what? By caring. And if we're, we really do care, then what are we going to do? We're going to pray. And if we're praying, then what are we going to do? We're going to go. And if we're going, wherever we go, wherever God leads you to go, wherever you're at, then what do we do? We share. And we share with the, with the hope that what? That, that people, they'll, they'll hear us. And they won't just hear us, but man, what a privilege that they would believe what they hear. And then to watch this, that they would call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. There is nothing like it in this world. And that's what motivated, that's what moved the Apostle Paul. So I love studying his life, and I, I pray that you do too. I'm going to invite Jack to come up. Jack's going to share, um, before we close the service in prayer, um, just a little bit about what's going on with the, uh, what do we want to call them? They're not, they're not young adults, not young marrieds. I had it wrong there. I was thinking it was young, young marrieds, but it's not. Is that one hot? It is. And this is Jack. Give Jack a warm welcome. He's the, he's the, I won't say he's the better half, because you can't do that when you're a man. His other half, his better half is Bailey. So. Yes. Um, unfortunately, Bailey can't be here today with us. She's, uh, she's taking care of her baby. It's a little cold, but so you guys are stuck with me. Um, like Pastor Mike said, I'm Jack. Um, and I'm here to talk about today uh, the ministry that me and my wife are starting and how excited we are to, to share it with you guys. Um, but I might as well just give you guys a little bit of backstory. Um, before me and my wife got married and we were dating, we always had uh, a love for just hanging out with people who are in tough seasons of their lives and um, encouraging them and... Um, sharing the love of God with them. Um, and we never knew how the Lord was going to use that in our marriage. But, um, you know, four and a half, five years later, uh, he's opened a door for us and we're going to start a ministry uh, called Devoted. Um, and Devoted, the reason why we're calling it Devoted is just because um, we want people who are, you know, whether they're single parents or they're young marrieds or um, they're just in a tough season of life. Um, we want to open a space for them to cultivate an intimate relationship with the Lord. And from that relationship will spur forth a devotion to Jesus, um, a deep devotion that will last throughout their lives. And um, it's going to be uh, uh, the first and third week of every month, starting in October uh, on Tuesdays at 6.30, and it'll be at our house. Um, it, we're just going to dive into some, some fellowship, some worship, and uh, have a message uh, led by one of the elders and myself, my wife, whoever it may be. Um, and so, yeah, if you guys feel called to like partner with us in this journey, uh, first and most important thing is just prayer. Um, just prayer for wisdom, prayer for those who are being ministered to, um, that they would have, open up their hearts and uh, be vulnerable with us. Um, two, 
um, if you feel called to disciple and, or, or mentor some of these people, um, walk with them through their journey of life, uh, please reach out to me and my wife. I'll be here after service. Um, um, because the, the main thing that we want to emphasize on this ministry is that it's, it's not just supposed to be a Bible study. Um, we want to walk through life with these individuals and uh, we want to be there for them whenever they need us. And we want to build a community here um, for the young adults where they can have a space in the community that they can rely on in, you know, their troubling times or they just want to hang out. Um, that's, that's, what, that's what the ministry is going to be about. So, um, so yeah, if you guys have any questions, uh, please come, come find me. Um, I'm sure we'll get you guys our contact information and address somehow, some way. Uh, but, yeah. So, thank you guys. Love you guys. Appreciate it. And next service, we'll do it during announcements. I, I'll remember it before I, got, before I get done. Yeah, that's it. Um, you know, as the worship team comes... When uh, we close out with song, you know, again, I just remind you of that, you know, I was sharing the story about, you know, my dad falling off the ladder. I think about, you know, um, with our grandkids and like yesterday, uh, they were over at the house. They'd just come back from Hawaii, Brett and Jackie and, and the kids. And, and uh, Brady was following me around out to the side of the house. And Reese had his hand and she pulled on him and he kind of spun around really fell back and he, he hit his head on the, on the ground, not hard cause she had him, but enough, you know, you could hear it. So I was like, that had to hurt. And, uh, and immediately, you know, he starts crying and, and it's not him because he didn't think about it, but you know, Reese right away is like, mom. And, and you think about, you know, it doesn't take much. I mean, to communicate, you know, that you're in need. I mean, she cried out, you know, mom, Mom, and what does mom mean? You know, I need you, you know, save me, help me, you know, and, and a mom will know that, that tone or that, and just, I mean, drop everything and come running. How much more, you know, the Lord, those who call upon the name of the Lord, you know, is just to simply call out to him. And maybe you're in that place today. Maybe you're here and you need him. And, and uh, I just want you to know he's here. Jesus said it best you know, in Revelation 3.20. He said, you know, behold, he said, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. He says, if you'll open up the door, that's, that's calling out to God. If you'll open up the door of your heart, he says, I will come in, my father and I, and we'll, we'll break bread with you. We'll share a meal together. We'll, we'll have life together is what he's saying. Just by calling on him. We just can't, we can't downplay how, how simple God has made it to enjoy a relationship with him if we would just call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. And so don't, don't miss that. Let's stand and we'll, we'll send you out with song. Father God, we thank you. For today thank you for the opportunity you give us to love you and to worship you and worship and worship takes on so many different forms it's not just singing lord it's giving it's it's sharing our life with you with one another everything about our life is to be worship and so lord as we go from this place today god may we go with an application in hand that lord you've loved us so much that you not only sent your son to die for us but you gave us your spirit to lead and to guide us that we don't have to go through this life alone and you're always leading us to people you're always leading us to places where god we can 
experience your love in our life personally and where, Lord, we can make you known to people that are in need. And so, Holy Spirit, um, fill us afresh this day. Fill us for all that we'll need this week to glorify and magnify you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.